Great to see you, Purpose Church. It's so good to be together again. I hope you're surviving what will probably be the hottest day of the year. But always remember, put it in perspective, it could always be worse. Here's the weather forecast for Death Valley, 121 degrees today. But here's what's crazy. That's only seven degrees warmer than the forecast for Pomona. So we're only seven degrees behind Death Valley today. Now, on the opposite extreme, where it could always be worse. Here's the weather forecast for Antarctica. Uh, the weather forecast today is 48 degrees below zero. So always remember, it could be worse. Now, there are all kinds of ways to beat the heat. I love this picture. Here's Pastor Lisa and Dr. Carl, uh, Tony's uh, kids in their swimming pool, uh, watching our worship service from the pool. I, I just love that, that, that picture. On the other hand, however, I ask myself the question, how am I ever going to get you back to the worship center after COVID? You guys are having way too much fun. How are we going to ever get you back in here again? Uh, one quick announcement before uh, we dig in, and that is I mentioned last Sunday we're going to have a prayer meeting at 6 p.m. on Monday nights in the community terrace uh, every uh, Monday until the election to just pray for our nation and for God's will. Uh, but we will not have it tomorrow night because it's Labor Day. That prayer meeting will won't happen tomorrow night, but every Monday night thereafter, uh, right on through uh, the first part of November, and encourage you after next uh, tomorrow night, uh, from that Monday night on to come, and let's just seek God together in unity to just pray, thy will be done in the weeks ahead. Now today we're finishing up our summer series called Living Hope, a study of First Peter, but I am super excited about our new series that I will start next Sunday. I'm going to introduce our new series, and I can't remember the last time I've been more excited about a series. I think the theme of it is going to fit perfectly with where we are in the fall and, and with the pandemic and everything else going on. I think we're, it's going to fit perfectly. I am very, very excited about this uh, new series. But the title of today's message is A Farewell to First Peter, uh, based on chapter 5, verses 5 through 14. These are the last 10 verses of the book of First Peter. But it's kind of sad because uh, we have fallen in love with this book. I've been so grateful for this book. We got the idea from high school and junior high ministries, uh, from student ministries, because they had done First Peter uh, a few months back, and that's where we got the idea from. And I am so glad. I've just felt, I bet you felt as well, that this book has been like perfect, especially uh, during the summer of COVID. This has been like God's word to us week by week. And I have to admit that as I prepared for this message, I got tears in my eyes about the thought of leaving it, uh, but nothing like my wife, Kimberly. Now, Kimberly cries every time we leave the children or the grandchildren, uh, especially the ones we won't see again for a long time. Uh, she cries every time that we have to leave. But this past Monday really took the cake. Uh, Kimberly has driven the same car for 13 years. Not because I made her do that. She wanted to just, she just likes to stick with the same car, drive it into the ground. So she's been driving the same car for 13 years. If, if, she, if, it, was, if it was up to her, she would have driven this car another 13 years. But the car she's driving developed this 
weird, annoying problem that we couldn't fix. The alarm would just go off at random times. We're talking about two in the morning, four in the morning. Our neighbors must hate us. They're probably getting a petition up to drive us out of the neighborhood. Uh, it just all the time throughout the day, it would just randomly go off. I bet you've come to church sometime and seen Kimberly's car with the alarm going off as you've uh, walked into church, and we just couldn't fix it. Ronnie Goins, who's like one of the top mechanics in the universe and in, in the world, uh, he's the head of our cars ministry. He couldn't figure it out. He said, we said, well, let's get rid of the alarm. We don't need an alarm. And he says, no, that won't do it. Uh, he said, the only way you can get rid of this problem is to get rid of your horn. So you wouldn't have a horn anymore. Well, that sounded dangerous and even a bit illegal. So we finally broke down and bought her a car in Riverside on Monday. And Monday night, because you know, you go in, you think it's going to take you a couple of hours to buy a car. It takes you all day. So it's nine o'clock at night in Riverside. As we drove away uh, from the car lot, uh, from her old car, sold her old car, got a new car. So we're driving away from her, her old car that she'd had for 13 years. She's taking pictures outside the window of her car as we drive away. And she's just crying. And tears are coming down her cheeks because uh, she had to leave the car that she had been with for 13 years. Well, that's exactly the way I feel as we leave First Peter. Uh, it's, it's so, so sad. One little side note is I pulled a great practical joke on Kimberly because that night we get back, or a couple of nights later, I waited a couple of nights, I got a hold of her keys without her knowing it and hit the alarm on her new car in the driveway. Same thing, random, it's going off. Uh, she got such a kick out of that. It was just hilarious. She loved that so much. Actually, that's not true. Um, it is wonderful for me to be alive here preaching to you today after I did that joke on Kimberly. Now, I have asked Pastor J.T. Martinez, Mar Martinez, did I get that right? Martinez, Martinez. The reason I always get that wrong is one of my best friends in college was Dave uh, Mar 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 Martinez. That was my best one of my best friends in college, Dave uh, Martinez. And so I always want to say that, Martinez there. Okay, get that right, all right. And he is our pastor to fifth through eighth graders. And I've asked him to preach uh, for verses five through 11. And then I'll come back and finish up with verses 12, 13, and 14. Now you keep yeah. your six feet away. Yeah, there it is. Six Distance. feet away yeah. right there. Now, this has worked out perfectly, JT, because I'm the oldest pastor, other than Pastor Randy, mm -hmm. uh, here at Purpose Church. And you are the youngest full-time pastor here at Purpose, and I am forcing him to begin his teaching with my new favorite verse of the Bible. This Amen. is my new favorite verse of the Bible, 1 Peter 5, verse 5, which says, in the same way, you who are younger, the Bible's talking about you, JT. There we go. <laughs> submit yourselves to your elders, that's talking about me, JT. So I want you to start with this first, Pastor JT. Yeah. Take it away. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. Uh, thank you, guys. I'm so excited to be bringing the word today with Pastor Glenn. I just want to give a big shout out. Pastor Glenn, love you. You're the man. You have the best stories. Also, I feel bad for uh, Kimberly. I feel like, man, she's going through some stuff in that house. But also, I just want to acknowledge uh, my grandma who's watching, Grandma Rose. I love you. Thank you for watching. Also, my fiance, Alicia, I love you. Uh, I'm looking forward to marrying you next year. But I'm excited because we are closing our, our Living Hope series. And I love these passages that I'm going to be covering 
morning in First uh, Peter 5, verses 5 through 11, because there's tons of good stuff in there. There's a lot of things that Peter wants to show us. So what I wanted to do is I want to read verses 5 through 11 first, and then I'm going to break it down as best as I can, because I really feel like Peter wants to show us a lot of things in this. So in verse 5, Pastor Glenn's favorite passage, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself, in himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And then verse 11, to him be the power forever and ever. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. And I love this passage. There's a lot of good stuff in there that we just saw. And I want to really break it down. And I really want to start in verse 5. And I just want to read it one more time because it's so, they're so good. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your Elders, submit yourself. All of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God uh, opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. See, I love verse five, and the first thing I really want to acknowledge is this. Peter is focusing on how old and young are to be unified. See, I'm going to acknowledge something. Young people have a hard time respecting older people. And I can say that because I'm relatively young. I'm actually, I'm young. I feel old because I work with junior high and FSM students. But young people have a hard time uh, respecting older people. I've seen it on social media. I've seen it when I go to the store. There's, there's this tendency of like, I'm, I'm, I'm old. I'm an adult. You know, my, my fiance's sister, she's turning 13. She says she's old. That means I'm dead. I don't know what's going on with that. But there's this struggle. But on the other hand, Older people, knowing that young people are struggling with the idea of respect, older people are not willing to invest in the next generation. And both parties, young and old, there's something going on. And I like to say it's, the, it's a pride issue. There's a pride issue. There's a pride issue that's holding people from encountering each other, from, from working together, from really listening to each other. See, I have a unique perspective on this because I was raised by my grandparents. And here's a picture of my grandparents. Um, that was my grandpa Larry. He passed away a few years ago. Here's Grandma Rose who's still alive today. And uh, one of the things being raised by grandparents was uh, I really got to learn what was the idea of respecting your elders, right? Um, they really emphasized you will never disrespect someone older than you. Even if they're wrong, it's on you and you're going to show respect, so that was something I actually enjoyed as a child because it allowed me to build deeper relationships with older people, but also learning from them. But something my grandparents really wanted to emphasize in their household was this. Yeah, like, I'm, res I'm going to respect my elders. But they wanted to create a house where they could learn from me and I could still have a voice. See, they wanted to learn still too. They wanted to say, hey, JT, the experiences you are going through I want to know them now because I want to be able to share my experiences and apply them to you today. 
And there was this unity. And I praise God that I was raised by my grandparents because they really instilled some amazing things into me. And one of the things I see is this. I share this story because Peter is saying something. Peter is telling us that both young and old can benefit from learning from each other. See, there's a benefit. We can learn from each other. There, there's so many good things. One of my favorite things about talking with older, the older generation is you guys have gone through some life that I haven't gone through yet. And it helps me be well prepared when I get there. You know, the older generation, I would love to encourage you Interact with the young people because you were there at one point. Yeah, the year was different. The, 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 the vibe was different, but you were there. You experienced some stuff that a younger person is going through and that's seeking some help in order to get through. See, the way we can interact is by being humble. And Peter told both young and old to be humble and to serve each other. Humble and serve. See, I want to encourage some people today, younger generation, serve the elderly, serve the older generation, whatever that looks like, whether that's writing a note, a phone call, a visit, a simple conversation goes a long way in someone's life. Let's serve that. Older generation, please hear me. You know, some of us, we talk about like the fourth quarter. Oh, I'm in the fourth quarter. I'm, I'm done. If you got breath in your lungs, you're not done. You still got something to offer. Why don't you use your fourth quarter and invest it into the first quarter of somebody else's life? Why don't we have some unity? Why don't we just start investing? What I love about this older generation is this. You guys have paved the way for the church. You guys have paved the way, but you gotta be willing to pass the baton one day. So let's start investing. Let's work together to do something special. Young people, respect the elderly, respect the older generation, older generation, have the willingness to invest in the younger generation. See, how do we do this? We have to have humility in our lives. That has to be something that we are just all about all the time. And there's four signs of humility that I want to give to you today. And number one is this, the willingness to perform the lowest and littlest service for Jesus' sake. The littlest thing, the littlest spark can create a big fire in someone's life. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do the little things to make a big impact? Number two, the consciousness of our own inability, inability to do anything apart from God. We can do nothing separate from God. We need to have God at the center of our lives in order to accomplish something great. Number three, the willingness to be ignored by others. We do not serve, we do not do things in order to receive this recognition from people. If you're trying to do it to receive recognition from other people, I really want to encourage you, is that the right priority? Or is it because God is calling you to do it? And number four, being truly other-centered instead of self-centered. Now, that's a really hard one. I struggle with that one myself. You know, um, we're called to serve. We're not called to be like, oh, it's all about me. It's me, me, me. If you want to lead like Jesus, you're going to serve people. You're going to meet other people's needs. You'll be taken care of. I, I, you will, I promise. But we're called to serve, to serve people. This is what true humility looks like in our lives. I want to jump to verse 6 now. It said, humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. I just really want to highlight that. Humble yourselves. You see, I just talked about the pride issue, right? And with that, when, we, when you're not humble, you're all about yourself, Right? We often, in our generation today, worry about our position and status, hoping to get proper recognition for what we do. See, some of us, we care more about our titles than the people around us. 
You know, like there could be a moment maybe in my life, and it hasn't happened yet, but it could where, oh, I'm a junior high pastor, but oh, I'm not. I want to be the next guy. And my pride creeps in, and I, and I forget what, where God needs me to be right now. Whether that's you at a manager at a certain store, whatever the case may be, we want proper recognition. We care more about our ego than the people around us. But Peter is advising us to remember this, that God's recognition counts more than human praise. See, God's recognition counts more than human praise. Let me tell you why. Human praise is never gonna be enough. You know, you can get a couple claps on something. You can get a couple like, yeah, go JT. But then I need more. A hundred people clap for me, I need a thousand. I need 2,000, I need 5,000, I need more recognition. You know why? Because there's a hunger inside of me that's not, it's not fed, it's still there. But what I love is this, human praise is never enough. True satisfaction comes from Christ. It comes from Christ. See, we do things, we need to do things not for human recognition, but to do it because God called us to do it. And I promise you, when you lean into the calling that God has placed on your life, you'll feel good. You'll feel good knowing that you're not necessarily doing it for human praise. You're doing it because you're called to be faithful to God. My encouragement is this. Humbly obey God regardless of your circumstance. Even wherever you're at right now. Whether you just started, uh, started working at a new job. Whether you've been at the job for, the, for 40 years. Humbly obey God in your current circumstance. Your current circumstance is not a wasted season. Maybe it's just a growing season. Maybe it's just a season you need to be in right now in order to go to the next one. Be humble. Sit down and be humble. Don't worry about going so fast. Slow down. And lean into where God has you at right now. Now, out of all these verses, number seven is my favorite. Verse seven, I love it. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I love that. It doesn't say cast some. It doesn't say cast one. It says cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. One of the notes I have is right here. It says, it talks about carrying our worries, stresses, and daily struggles by ourselves shows that we have not trusted God fully with our lives. Some of us are reading this and it hurts. It hurt me writing that. You know why? Because I like to carry my worries, my stresses, and my daily struggles because I think I can handle it on my own. I think I can handle it on my own. You know, also sometimes what happens is this. Sometimes we think our struggles that we cause by our own will and our own sin, we shouldn't have to give it to God because it wasn't him, it was us. And there's this guilty conscience going in our head that you can't give it to God. You see, we're living in a climate right now with COVID-19 where we're seeing anxiety rise, depression rise, and people are wondering, how can we handle this? Cast all your anxiety onto God. We can't do it on our own. You know, I'm going to throw this out. This is for like my grandparents, Pastor Glenn, Pastor Eric, you know, Charles Spurgeon. I'm going to bring one out, and I'm impressed that I found this story. So Charles Spurgeon used to use this illustration of a man who would come to your house and move. Let's say someone came to your house and was decided, I'm gonna help you move. But when he arrived to your house, he was carrying a huge, heavy backpack, just filled with bricks for some reason. I don't know, maybe he's trying to get, summer's coming to an end, so 
I don't know what he's trying to do. He's trying to get a workout in. But let's say someone came to your house and they were gonna move your furniture, but they had like a bunch of weight on their back, a heavy backpack. And you see the mover starting to complain because of how heavy things were. He just started to complain because he's like, oh man, I can't do this, it's too heavy. Would you not tell him to take the backpack off? Would you not tell him to just drop the weight? See, what would happen was, would you not suggest that he would find it easier if he laid down his own burden aside so that he can carry your burden? See, in the same way, we cannot do God's work when we are weighed down by our own burdens and worries. We're just so weighed down, you can't do it. Cast them onto him and take the Lord's burden. What? Take the Lord's burden? Why? Because it's a light burden and a yoke that fits us perfectly. Your burden will always be too heavy for yourself, but never too heavy for God. He's bigger than whatever situation we're in. He's bigger than any problem that we face. Letting God carry our anxiety is an action that you need to take. Take that action. Stop trying to carry it by yourself. I tried that for a long time in my life. My grandpa died and and I was struggling with who I was. I didn't know what to do. I ended up going to counseling and, and talking to God and God really did a new thing in me. And I'm not saying the anxieties are gone. They're still there, but I can at least give it to someone who's going to take it and use it for something good. Don't submit to circumstances, submit to the Lord who controls the circumstance. Wow, that's, that's good. You need to write that down. Don't submit to circumstances. Whatever your circumstances, whether it's hard, it's a struggle, it's hurting, don't submit to it. Don't give up. Submit to the Lord who controls the circumstance. Trust him, give it to him. We are not alone in our struggles. Let the hope of Christ lead your life. Let the hope of Christ lead your life. I want to jump into verse 8 through 9. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. See, when I went to Nairobi, Kenya, I actually had the opportunity to see a lion attack an animal. It was crazy. They killed a zebra. Poor zebra. It was an experience I'll never forget. But what I noticed was this. Lions attack sick, young, or animals that have been led astray. They choose victims who are alone and not alert. Peter warns us to watch out for Satan when we are suffering and being persecuted. It's in those seasons where we're the most vulnerable if we don't stay alert. You see, when you're feeling alone, maybe, maybe you're feeling alone, you feel weak, helpless. Maybe you're cut off. Oh, we can't be in the church building, so I'm just cut off from believers. Some of us are, are maybe focusing on our troubles more that we forget to watch for danger, and that's when Satan comes in and takes us. COVID-19 is a great example of that, right? We, we can't hang out with big groups. We can't go out and do stuff. And we're getting to this place where we're not staying aware. And some people, maybe we're walking away from faith. Maybe some of us are, are not spending time with God because we're getting tired of, of being alone. And we're just, we're just, we're not aware. I love what James 4, 7 says. 
Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's not like this big game plan in order to resist the devil. It's simply submit yourselves to God. If you submit yourself to God and you're spending time with him, you'll resist the devil. And guess what? He won't, he's not going to linger around. He's going to leave. He will flee you. During times of suffering, seek Christ and other Christians for support. Keep your eyes on Christ and resist the devil. See, we may not be physically together. Uh, we may be watching online, but guess what? We got tools that we can use to have community with other Christians, whether that's Zoom, a phone call, a text. Make the most of the situation. Make the most of the situation. Keep your eyes on Christ and resist the devil. When you're focused on Christ, you're not worried about the other stuff that faces you. I want to read verse 10. It says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will in himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. When we are suffering, we often think the pain is never going to end. And I'm going to be honest, I feel like that. You know, some, some people know, some don't. Uh, my grandma had breast cancer. She had the surgery. Uh, it turns out that um, the cancer's not gone. She's going through radiation and chemo, and it breaks my heart. Absolutely breaks my heart. It makes me upset. It makes me angry. It makes me feel like the suffering that's, going to take, that's taking place has, never, has not ended. But in that passage, what I see is this. Peter wants faithful Christians to have a broader perspective. It sucks. What's going, what, what I'm going through, it does suck. What you're going through, it sucks. I understand that. But we need to have a bigger perspective. You know, one of the things that really is getting me through this is that in comparison with eternity, our suffering will only last a little while. It's only going to last a little while. See, our suffering is only going to last a little while. See, that suffering that happens here doesn't go with us when we go to heaven. It's done. Keep going. You know, some of us, you know, the suffering has maybe hindered our relationship or our calling that God has placed on our life. But I want to encourage you, embrace the calling. See, everyone has a calling that God has placed on your life. Everybody has a calling that God has placed in your life. Whatever that calling is, a part of that calling is having an authentic relationship with God. What does that look like? You practically got to get involved. You got to start reading. You got to start praying. You got to have some community. And let me tell you, this calling is not a sprint, but it's a marathon. Fix your eyes on God. Focus on what's ahead and forgetting what's behind. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and I like to say focusing towards what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Pastor Glenn's gonna come back up right now. And my final thing that I really wanna say to you that I want you guys to really apply is this. Keep fighting a good fight for Christ. 
Keep on going. Do not give up. I know this season's hard. I know life, we're all going through something. Keep fighting a good fight for Christ. Don't give up. God loves you. God cares about you, and you're going to get through it. Let's give it up for Pastor Glenn. Oh, listen. My... (laughs) JT, how old are you again? I'm 24. 24. My goodness. I couldn't have preached a sermon like that at 24. <laughs> Love you, man. Thank you. Thank you. That Pastor was Glenn. awesome mm-hmm. and such an, such an encouragement. I uh, want to just finish up by talking about the essential workers, the essential workers. You know, during COVID, there's been a lot of debate about who are the essential workers in American society. But in God's workforce to change the world, Everyone is an essential worker. Everyone, each of you, you are an essential worker. And it's been that way since the beginning of the Christian movement. Uh, We all know the famous uh, people of the Bible. We know their names like Peter, Paul, and Mary. Uh, You baby boomers, please forgive me. I just couldn't resist that. Uh, JT, do you even know who Peter, Paul, and Mary are? Pastor Eric, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Okay, vaguely, vaguely. Uh, We know those names, but now we're going to meet some people that are not as well known uh, who were equally, equally essential workers. Uh, Verse 12, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. You know the word grace is found in every chapter of the book of 1 Peter. All five chapters, grace, 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 grace. Stand fast in it. Stand fast in that grace. Now, we know a lot about Peter, uh, but we don't know as much about a Silas. And yet what basically Peter's saying here is, with the help of Silas, I have written to you. And so basically Peter's saying, no Silas, no book of 1 Peter. He was absolutely an essential worker, just like Peter was. In addition to helping Peter, uh, Silas was Paul's right-hand man for much of his ministry. Think about this guy. We don't know much about him, but just think about it. He was the right-hand person to Peter and to Paul. Talk about an essential worker. We don't know much about him, but he is certainly an essential worker in the cause of Christ. Uh, first, um, Peter 5, verse 13, and we're going to meet some more. It says, she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Now the question is, who's she and who is Mark? Now some uh, Bible scholars think that she could possibly be the wife of Peter and that Mark was literally, when he says my son Mark, he literally means he's uh, his son Mark. But most Bible scholars believe that she refers to the church and that this Mark is John Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark uh, with material uh, provided to him by Peter. Now, what does Peter mean by Babylon? Uh, There are several possibilities. Babylon, literally it could mean Babylon that's in Mesopotamia, um, like ancient Babylon. Uh, There's a town in Egypt called Babylon. It could have been that. But most believe that Babylon is code, a code word, a code name for the city of Rome uh, for several reasons. According to early church tradition, Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter from the city of Rome. Uh, Also, there's no evidence that Peter was ever in Mesopotamia or in Egypt. And then thirdly, we believe that Peter 
was using a code name uh, for Rome when he said Babylon because of persecution that was going on at that time. So basically what he's saying is the church at Rome chosen together with you, the people of the church of Rome send you their greetings and so does uh, John Mark who uh, again was tremendously, we don't know much about him, tremendously used by God even to the point of writing one of the four, uh, one of the four gospels. And then in verse 14, he says, greet one another with a kiss of love. Uh, the kiss of love on the cheek was a common form of greeting in Jewish synagogues. Men would kiss men and women would kiss women. Um, and it was carried over to Christianity. Uh, they began to this practice that they had learned in the Jewish synagogues until COVID stopped, it, it stopped the practice in 200 AD. That's a lie. That's not true. I'm just kidding. But it is similar, this kiss of love is similar today of us shaking hands or hugging today and now we have seen that, that COVID has actually stopped that particular practice. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait until we can shake hands again. I can't wait until we can hug each other in, in church again. How, how about you? Now, uh, he says finally, peace to all of you who are in Christ. So Peter's letter uh, starts with a blessing of peace in chapter one, verse two, and it ends with the same blessing. Now, here's my closing point. I absolutely loved what Pastor Eric said a few weeks ago. I, I love this so much. Uh, he said, today, people name their pets after Roman emperors, and they name their children after these early followers of Christ. We name our pets after Roman emperors, and we name our children after these early followers of Jesus. And nobody could have possibly conceived that was gonna happen uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, we name our children after these early Christ followers, and not just the well-known ones, like Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, for example, uh, back to Silas. We have a Silas in our church. Silas Giles is a young man within our church. We have many Marks um, in our church. There's a lot of different Marks. These were the essential workers of the early church. And you, even though we don't know that much about them, maybe they're quietly, they work behind the scenes, but they were the essential workers of the early church. And you are the essential workers of the 21st century church. This is our adventure that we are on. This is our dream. This is the extraordinary life that you have been called to, that we have been called to, everyone, everywhere, following Jesus, to change the world in the name of Jesus. This is our dream. This is our adventure. And all God's family said, wherever you are, amen.